Fred's Front Porch Podcast is made possible by our patron saint, Edith Keelan. Our producers, Hermione Granger, Coralie Day with Scott Knight, and Marie Janicki. The people on the porch and listeners like you. Welcome, fellow traveler, on this rock tumbling through space. I'm Fred, and this is my front porch. Come on up and sit a while. There are ideas to be discussed on this old set of nicely nailed together boards. January 6th Committee Matters I am not a fan of Liz Cheney in general. She opposed gay marriage, although she later recanted that position while still failing to vote for any kinds of protection for the LGBTQIA community. She has no compassion for the poor, and her views on immigration are in direct opposition to mine. From her own website, Liz voted against amnesty and any attempt to soften sovereign border enforcement. Liz co-sponsored the Refugee Resettlement National Security Act requiring the Comptroller General to do a full assessment of the costs of refugees to federal, state, and local government. Liz co-sponsored the Criminal Alien Deportation Enforcement Act, a bill that withholds foreign aid from countries that refuse to take back criminal aliens. She believes in an us-versus-them way of seeing the world. I believe in there is no them. We are all us. She is in favor of increasing the military budget, and she wants to fight more wars. I would like to fight fewer wars. In fact, I would prefer we never fight another war ever again. She is in favor of ensuring everyone can get firearms they want. If you listened to my podcast on the mass murder at Robb Elementary School, You know I would prefer to keep guns out of the hands of dangerous people, and I would really like civilians to do without guns that are intended to kill as many people as possible as quickly as possible. I could go on, but I have made my point. I disagree with Liz Cheney. Most of the time. Many of the people on the porch are conservatives who probably like Liz Cheney and agree with her views most of the time. And I respect their right to disagree with me. You could be right. I could be wrong. I'm hoping we can find agreement on this. These words are from Ms. Cheney's opening remarks in the January 6th committee hearings. Tonight, And in the weeks to come, you will see evidence of what motivated this violence 
including directly from those who participated in this attack. You will see video of them explaining what caused them to do it. You will see their posts on social media. We will show you what they have said in federal court. On this point, there is no room for debate. Those who invaded our capital and battled law enforcement for hours were motivated by what President Trump had told them, that the election was stolen and that he was the rightful president. President Trump summoned the mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. I am not a fan of former Vice President Mike Pence. He is in direct opposition to LBGTQIA rights. His views about gun control are very different from mine. The same is true concerning his opinions about abortion. Again, I recognize many of my conservative friends, like Mr. Pence, more than I do. And I respect their right to disagree with my assessment of him. I don't like Mike Pence very much at all. Most of the time. He also, however, said this. Under the Constitution, I had no right to change the outcome of our election. And Kamala Harris will have no right to overturn the election when we beat them in 2024. Although then-President Trump asked him repeatedly to find a way to invalidate the November 2021 election results, the then-Vice President declined to do that. The result of this was that on January 6, those attacking the Capitol wanted to find and hang Mike Pence. It would appear that for many people, the assessment of all people is dependent upon the assessment their leader makes. People who once liked Mike Pence wanted to hang him because Donald Trump decided he didn't like Mike Pence anymore. What we have seen from Liz Cheney and Mike Pence, as well as several others who have participated in the January 6th committee hearing, is love of country over love of party. That's becoming as rare a commodity as efficient bureaucracies. I can and do disagree with them about nearly everything, but I also have to respect the courage to do what's right. I'm allowed a nuanced point of view. I can walk and chew gum at the same time. I can leave my little box whenever I choose. I wish those who wanted to harm Pence and Cheney could entertain more than one idea at a time and practice some kind of moderation. The response to the hearings I'm hearing from Trump supporters is that it's a nothing sandwich. We need to forget about January 6th 
and focus on more immediate problems like runaway inflation and gas prices skyrocketing. I don't deny the importance of those issues. I'm not aware of anyone who does. There are a nearly infinite number of problems that are urgent and must be faced, investigated, and solved sooner rather than later. I could add quite a few to the list. Mass murders, homelessness, poverty, crimes of desperation, the steady decline of mental health, and the issue of allowing people to be who they choose to be all come to mind. Climate change is an existential threat to our planet. The existence of these problems does nothing to mitigate the horrors of January 6. The effort to destroy what little remains of our freedom is not to be ignored. Had they been successful, what would that have meant? Would it really have been no big deal to execute our vice president? No, I don't like him. Yes, I disagree with him, but hanging him? That's obscene. It's unimaginable. It's nothing short of terrorism. The same fate would certainly have awaited Nancy Pelosi, AOC, and any number of others had these people been successful. Aside from the murders, the other consequences would have been equally unthinkable. They would, one assumes, have installed their own president. With elections now invalidated, we would have a dictator. Freedom, even the limited freedom we have thus far preserved, would be over. Media, as we know it, would topple. This show would certainly be shut down. Racism, misogyny, homophobia, and hatred of the other would become commonplace. Suffering would increase exponentially for nearly everyone. What happened on January 6, 2021 is important. It can't be ignored without risking everything we hold dear. People must be held accountable so we can reduce the odds of anyone else trying it again. The Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, and other white nationalist groups aren't going to go away until we put them away. While I certainly respect their right to the vile beliefs with which I think all rational people disagree, and while I believe they should be allowed to speak those beliefs on their own platforms, this doesn't mean they're allowed to act on those beliefs and overthrow our country. No, the January 6th committee hearings are not a nothing burger. They are a means of informing all the world, truthfully and with clear evidence, of a significant attack on our country. Will the former president be indicted? If he is, will he be convicted? If he is, will he go to prison? I doubt it. I hope I'm wrong, but in all of American history, only one president has ever been arrested after becoming president. It was Ulysses S. Grant. He didn't go to prison. A year into his appointment to the MPD, formerly enslaved person 
William H. West came across President Ulysses S. Grant while on patrol near 13th and M Streets Northwest in Washington, D.C. He stopped the president for speeding in his horse and buggy and gave him a warning for excessive speed before sending him on his way. The next day, on a similar patrol, West witnessed the president repeating his behavior and thus arrested him. While arresting the president, West said, I am very sorry, Mr. President, to have to do it, for you are the chief of the nation and I am nothing but a policeman. But duty is duty, sir, and I will have to place you under arrest. President Grant was taken to the police station and released on a $20 bond, the equivalent to about $430 today. And he did not contest the fine or the arrest. This was not President Grant's first citation for speeding in the District of Columbia. According to former Chief Kathy Lanier, Ulysses S. Grant received three citations for speeding in his horse-drawn carriage during his tenure as president. The link is in the transcripts. It's hard to imagine a former president being indicted in spite of the enormous body of evidence that anyone who has watched the hearings has seen. Trump could have stopped the attack at least three hours earlier than he did. He was, as we have seen in the hearings, begged repeatedly by friends, family, and staff to call off the crowd. For 187 harrowing minutes, the president watched his supporters attack the Capitol, and he resisted pleas to stop them. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Republican of California, a Trump booster, called him and said, You have to denounce this. Trump falsely claimed to McCarthy that the rioters were members of Antifa. But McCarthy corrected him and said they were, in fact, Trump supporters. You know what I see, Kevin? I see people who are more upset about the election than you are. They like Trump more than you do, the president replied. You've got to hold them, McCarthy said. You need to get on TV right now, and you need to get on Twitter. You need to call these people on. Trump responded, Kevin, they're not my people. McCarthy told the president, Yes, they are. They just came through my windows, and my staff is running for cover. Yeah, they're your people. Call them off. That link is in the transcript. This isn't a partisan issue. Trump supporters asked the former president for help. Their pleas were ignored for more than three hours. Loyalty and compassion don't seem to be strong suits for our 45th president. The evidence is clear that Trump was aware that he had lost the election. The hearings showed us several people, including his closest supporters, staff, friends, and family, had told him this. If he believed he won the election when he was organizing this attack, 
he was not in touch with reality. We can debate the qualifications of a president, but I would like to believe we all agree a president needs to recognize reality. There is nothing you, unless you're in the Justice Department, or I can do about indicting anyone. That doesn't mean, however, that we're entirely powerless to keep this destruction from recurring. We still have the power of our votes. It's likely that Trump will be the nominee for president in 2024. We can simply vote for anyone else. This doesn't necessarily mean it has to be the Democratic nominee. I recognize that in the two-party system we have in America, it seems pointless to vote for anyone other than a Democrat or a Republican. No one else can possibly get elected. To vote for someone else is to waste your vote. That's the traditional wisdom. It may be true. You're on Fred's front porch right now, though, and we are idealists around here. We believe that change begins with imagination. I'm unaware of anything humans have created that didn't begin with an idea. I don't know who will be running in 2024, but we can imagine that someone who isn't backed by billions of dollars in corporate money could be president. And then we can do what little we can to make that happen. A single drop of water is all but powerless. When you put enough of them together, however, you can carve the Grand Canyon. I'm working on that now. I hope you'll join me in your own way. And yes, I love you. Slide on over to Patreon to get your episodes early and commercial-free. We've just added a new benefit for all subscribers. If you prefer to read the episode, we'll be putting up transcripts of each episode every week. You can read along, or you can just skip hearing the show and read it instead. I'd love for you to join the people on the porch. The link is in the show notes. I have given most of this episode to the Republicans. They have done the speaking. Now I am going to allow a Democrat, Adam Schiff, to explain to you why, more eloquently than I can, the January 6th committee hearings are important. For more than 200 years, our democracy has been distinguished by the peaceful transfer of power. When an American raises their right hand and takes the presidential oath of office, they are transformed from an ordinary citizen into the most powerful person in the world, the president. This is an awesome power to acquire. 
it is even more awesome when it is handed on peacefully. When George Washington relinquished the office of the presidency, it set a precedent that served as a beacon for other nations struggling against tyranny. When Ronald Reagan described it as a kind of miracle in the eyes of the world, he was exactly right. Other countries use violence to seize and hold power, but not in the United States, not in America. When Donald Trump used the power of the presidency to try to stay in office after losing the election to Joe Biden, he broke that sacred and centuries-old covenant. Whether his actions were criminal will ultimately be for others to decide. But what he did was, without a doubt, unconstitutional. It was unpatriotic, and it was fundamentally un-American. And when he used the power of his presidency to put the enormous pressure on state, local, and local elections officials and his own vice president, it became downright dangerous. On January 6th, that pressure became deadly. Ruby Freeman said the president is supposed to protect every American, not target them. And she is right. If the most powerful person in the world can bring the full weight of the presidency down on an ordinary citizen who is merely doing her job with a lie as big and heavy as a mountain, who among us is safe? None of us is. None of us. In city councils and town councils, on school boards and election boards, from the Congress to the courts, dedicated public servants are leaving their posts because of death threats to them and to their families. This is not who we are. It must not become who we are. Our democracy held because courageous people like those you heard from today put their oath to the Constitution above their loyalty to one man or to one party. The system held, but barely. And the question remains, will it hold again? If we are able to communicate anything during these hearings, I hope it is this. We have been blessed beyond measure to live in the world's greatest democracy. That is a legacy to be proud of and to cherish, but it is not one to be taken for granted. That we have lived in a democracy for more than 200 years does not mean we shall do so tomorrow. We must reject violence. We must embrace our Constitution with the reverence it deserves, take our oath of office and duties as citizens seriously, informed by the knowledge of right and wrong, and armed with no more than the power of our ideas and the truth, carry on this venerable experiment in self-governance.
next week on Fred's Front Porch Podcast. What else are they going to do? They've made it clear they're just getting started. One of my gay friends is doing all he can to shore up his legal rights to protect his marriage because that's on the agenda. The Supreme Court is not only telling half of the population what they have to do with their bodies, and they're not just saying we need to adopt the religious beliefs of those around us if we don't want to face shunning or getting our asses kicked at recess. But they're also telling us who we can love and how we can love them. They're going to revisit gay marriage and contraception. The people on the porch make our weekly gatherings possible. They help to pay for the software, the licenses, and keeping me alive. The greatest gift they give to this show, though, is their attention. Without that, I could never find the motivation to continue. The money keeps me alive. Listening keeps me wanting to devote most of my life to this show. To these people, I am extraordinarily grateful. These are the people on the porch. Our patron saint is Edith Keeler. It's so good to have one again. Our producers are Marie Janicki, Hermione Granger, and Coralie Day with Scott Knight. Our top patron is Sherlock, the mystery patron, Sandy Brower, Miles O'Brien, Mandy, Kevin Boyce, and Joe March are our other patrons. Our sponsors are Jake Margaram, Stacy Height, Frau Bluka, Greg Royball. Robert Blomker II, Amos Stewart, Phil Parkman, Judy W. Morris, Chris Donnelly, Corey Pluard, Pavel Shabayev, Claude Burt Lansden, Jesse Rogers, Virginia Rupert, Scott Shelby, Mark Rosma, Natalie Elizabeth Bennett, Zarif, and our newest sponsor, who once was a patron saint. Welcome back, Alex Oliphant, Kim, Deborah Rice, Jamie Sassy, The Lady in the Doorway, MJ, Roxanne Wolf, Cindy Mandel, Michelle Sylvester, Carrie Dedeo, Ursula Phillips, Sarah Nimitz, John G., Christine L. Patterson, Corey, and Stephanie Hansen are our supporters. Our first supporter was and is Jereen. 
Our anchor supporters are Cindy Mandel, Corey, A.A. Milne, and John Donovan. Thank you for sharing this journey with us. It is in the darkest skies that the stars shine most brightly. All of us will shine together. I love each and every one of you. Take care of yourselves and each other. Thanks for letting me share my thoughts and ideas with you. Get your episodes of Fred's Front Porch early and commercial-free on Patreon. And now, check out our new website at fredsporch.info. There's no punctuation, and yes, it bugs me too. But welcome to the Internet. I'll talk to you next week.